And we fight pretty good Getting goals is our job And we get goals good Looking good We are Carlisle United Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle The number one place to get your Akarnak fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney And I'm Dan McLennan Four games down and still no wins for the Blues As Exeter snatched all three points at Brunton Park Thanks to two second half goals We review the 2-0 loss to the Grecians Before looking ahead to this weekend's trip to the Potteries To face Port Vale at Vale Park is it time to get to the panic stations, Dan? Is it time to worry? Four games in, not no wins. Me. No? Not for me. No. You're, you're quite happy? Not, I'm not no, happy, I'm, I would I'm say, not, but you know. I was I'm not happy. But I know, I'm, sorry, I, sh- I should say that, yeah. But, I'm certainly yeah. not wet in the bed yet, you know. No, you're right. There has been a little bit of that from my I think most fans have been quite good, actually. I think most fans are quite yeah. understanding, aren't they? Yeah. We'll talk about it in a minute, but for my money, I don't. Again, I'll stick with what I said after the last game. We haven't been outplayed by anyone. It's just that final no. third that's the problem at the moment. So we just need to sort that out, really. Um, yeah, how are you doing, mate? You all good, Dan? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Yeah, yeah looking ahead to this weekend's game. Mm. Um, yes, before we get into it, obviously, you should uh, remind everyone that our sponsor is the Kylie Sports Club London Branch, the London Branch. It's open to all Kylie United fans, whether you live in. London, the South East, I know, yeah, Limerick, um, I'm trying to think of random places there, Oslo, um, although Oslo, you should really join the Norwegian one, shouldn't you? Um, yeah. I don't know, Tallinn, any random places you can name, Dan, just to freshen this up a little well, bit? Actually, South could name Timbuktu if you want. Well, we do that every week, though. A bit of variety yeah. we need, don't we? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, oh, yeah, go on, then we'll have that. Um, Yes, yeah, so wherever you live, you, you can join the Kai Knight Sports Club London branch. Um, they sort out uh, travel for a lot of away games and also tickets as well. Um, and they do a lot of fundraising for the club. If you want to find out more about them, go to their website, carlislelondonbranch.org, or just grab one of the guys selling at one of the away games this season. Um, okay, before we get into the news, Dan, because actually is a bit of news this week. Um, Mike has done us a question for this week. Do you want to hear it? Go on, then. Here's Mike's question of the week. In 2007, I'm sure that we all remember Joe Garner's absolute rocket of a goal for the Blues at Port Vale that came in a 2-0 win. Now, who else scored for the Blues that day? And we had a man sent off. Who was it? Ooh. That is oh, a good question. Well, everyone remembers I, Joe Garner's goal, don't they? I'm, I'm 99% certain. It's, well, I'm going to look stupid now. I'm fairly certain it was Danny Graham, you know. I think it was Graham and Garner that day. Something sticks in my head. Right, so. Danny, Danny Graham scoring a tap-in or something like that. Um, who would have got sent off, though? Was that before Luke Joyce started playing a lot of few games for us? I feel like it was, wasn't it? Luke Joyce got sent off. That's the one. You sure? Yeah. I can remember you saying his name to just jog my memory. It's just straight away in my head I was thinking... I remember him getting sent off in his first spell with us at some point. Yeah, it was Luke so Jones. Oh, there you go. Well, we'll come back at the halftime break and let everyone else have yeah, a little think yeah. and maybe a guess, because we might be wrong. You never know. We're not always right. Yeah. Most of the time we are, but you know. Um, right, uh, let's get into it then, Dan. Uh, news time. Um, one main bit of news, and then uh, just a little bit on a reserve game. Um, so, yeah, uh, we've got a new arrival at Brunner Park, haven't we? So, um Simo did promise after the Exeter defeat that uh, he would step up his efforts to bring in more attacking re- reinforcements, and he's true to his word. Another loney has arrived at Brunton Park earlier this week. Terry Abalde. Uh, sorry, Ablade. Uh, I've got this wrong, sorry. Right, start again. Terry Ablade. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it, isn't it? I don't think it's Ablade. I think it's Ablade. We'll find out on Saturday um, when, we, when James Phillips I will is say I'm... <laughs> Well, that's if he gets it right. I'm not too well up on my Ghanaian Finnish pronunciation, so I'm leaving <laughs> you to to claim it. You're leaving me to make a prat of myself. Yeah. You're saying basically. Yeah. I, f- I think it's Ablade. I- I'm sure I listened to a commentary of him on, from a Fulham Under 21 game, basically. But yeah, Terry Ablade has uh, joined the, the Blues on a season-long loan from Premier League side Fulham. Uh, 21-year-old forward, Ghana-born, but represents Finland at international level, having moved to the country with his father, Seth, who himself was a 
former professional footballer at the age yeah, of seven. Yeah, played a few games for a few teams in Finland, didn't he? Uh, he's got, you know, a mad career, his dad. I mean, he played in, I think, Belgium, possibly Germany, maybe Albania, I think. Albania, well. yeah. yeah. Yeah, really mad career. He was actually manager over FC Jazz. I think round about the time he got sold to Fulham. I think he yeah. he must have been an assistant or a coach before that because Terry had been playing, I think, for a couple of years for the for them there. And he, I think he yeah. scored five goals in 20 appearances and then Fulham came in and snapped him up. Um, he's not made a first-team appearance yet, I don't think, for Fulham. But His dad's still, only 40 years old as well, so he must yeah. have had Terry as a, as a youngster. Yeah, quite young then, I think. Um, and he had a loan spell at AFC Wimbledon uh, a couple of seasons ago. 12 appearances, zero goals. We should point out... I think only two of them were starts, and that Wimbledon side was appalling, wasn't it? I think they went, what was it, yeah. 27 games without a win or something like that? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I wouldn't uh, much Sam, to it. Was that when Sam Cosgrove was there as well? I don't know if he, I think he was there the first half of that season, maybe. I don't think he was there yeah. for the second half, I could be wrong. But yeah, they had, a, they had a really, really bad time of it then, and for a 19-year-old lad as he would have been then to be thrown in was probably a little bit unfair, <laughs> to say the least. But um. But yeah, he comes in. Um, what's your thoughts on this one, Dan? Uh, you see people going, oh, another lone player, hasn't oh. played many games. All these lads get a clean slate for me because yeah. there could be a Charlie Wyke. Could be a Danny Graham. Danny Graham had only scored, was it, 5-40 and 40 or something yeah. before he came yeah. to us? Yeah. Sometimes you find I mean, the right club, don't you? Yeah, there could be a Harry Worley type, but, you know, yeah. let's let's give a lad a chance. It, it sounds from reading up on him, he's more the uh, more in the Patrick mould, I would suggest, because his pace seems to get mentioned a bit. But uh, yeah, he did. The difference, no, let's I think, see what he's about. Yeah, I think the difference is he seems quite comfortable playing down the middle, doesn't he? He seems happy to do yeah. that. Whereas Patrick was never yeah. quite happy with that. But on the yeah. flip side, he also seems quite happy to play out wide when you need to. And from what I've yeah. seen, what I've seen of the Fulham stuff, look, it is under twenty-one football, so you have to caveat that. He looks like a decent player. He looks like he's got a bit of pace about him, some decent finishes, you know. I I, I think he could be a really interesting addition. And look, it's another body in the, in the door, isn't it? And if he adds a bit of pace, that's a, that's a big thing as well because it's the one thing we are yeah. probably lacking up front at the moment. And yeah, could do with uh, getting added to the team. So good luck to Terry for his uh, season with us. Um, Simo has said, though, hasn't he, done that he's still looking for one more addition to the squad. But unfortunately, he's been thwarted in his uh, efforts to try and get a target man, hasn't he? Yeah, uh, seemingly we had a bid for an unnamed player knocked back. Uh, I think it the club have obviously set the stall out on whoever it is. Uh, you well, know, no, nobody uh, really knows who it is. He, he's kind of said it's dead in the water, hasn't he? Um, yeah, and. But then, if if you listen to his interview, he says the loan's dead in the water and we'll keep plugging away with the permanent one. So I'm kind of like, well, maybe they're just trying to temper our expectations here, but maybe they are going to go back in for him, possibly. Yeah, it, might be, yeah. it might be one of those ones that goes right down to the deadline, I'd imagine, with that yeah, one, possibly, because yeah. just, you know, fighting spray and bring him in. We've heard some whispers about where it might be from, and we've had a few trying guesses, haven't we, to, to work out, yeah. but we're not 100% certain, so we'll... We'll we'll leave that for now, and you know we'll, we'll, maybe after the deadline we'll we'll uh, talk a little bit about who we think it might have been. Um, interestingly, though, he also went public on a couple of rumours, didn't he, to dismiss mm. them? So first up was Tyrese John Jules, um, nephew of uh, Danny John Jules, who was cat in Red Dwarf. So yeah. there you go. Um, he's at Arsenal. Um, he's had about f- five loan spells, I think, at this level, at League One level. Yeah. Um, Basically said there was no interest in him. He has worked with him before on the England youth setup, but he said he's not one that we were interested in. It looks like he's off to Derby, though. So interestingly, he did say that we were knocked back by two players who got bigger wage offers. Well, from... just, just on just on John Jules, yeah. I've got a friend. I've got a friend who works at Arsenal, yeah. uh, and he outright asked him for me. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, he he said he looked very confused and. Now the news that he's probably going to Derby comes out, that's probably no surprise. Yeah, it might be one of those ones where his agent has known about it and they've been working on it and he just hasn't told him until yeah. he's like, got a more solid thought on it. But um, but yeah, he um, he's off to um, Derby counter by looks of things. Although Simmer has said, hasn't he, that we were knocked back by two players who've gone to League One clubs this week. And there's been basically... three of them this week, hasn't there? 
Yeah, and we suspect it might be the Wolves lad who's gone. Where's he gone to again? You have to remind There's a Wolves lad, uh, basically the three that have gone. Is it Kem Campbell there's... he's called? Something like that, I think. Uh, there's Yeah, Kem Campbell, Wolves to Charlton. Yeah. There was... John McAtee who's gone from... John McAtee who's went Luton, Luton. to... Barnsley. Barnsley. And also Shrewsbury have signed Kieran Phillips from Huddersfield yeah. on loan. So it wouldn't be a surprise if it was one of those three. Yeah, well, there's two of them, wasn't there? So you imagine it's going to be two of them. My personal guess would be it's probably going to be either McAtee or Phillips. I think those two seem to fit the thing. And McAtee, would yeah. be, McAtee I think, would be one that would excite our fans. And he did say it would be one that potentially would excite us. So, um, so yeah, I, I feel like he probably is the one that... Um, that makes sense, I think, in terms of that. Um, I mean, I'm looking at Phillips's uh, record. He actually he scored seven goals in 20 games for Morecambe last season at this level. So he's probably one you you wouldn't have minded having him, was isn't he? Really, it's a shame. But uh, there you go. Um, should say as well before we move on to talking quickly about the reserve game. Um, he did talk about Luke Armstrong's luck. This is one that's been sort of lurking around for a bit, hasn't it? And people seem some bit some of our fans seem very convinced that we were in for him and say, kept saying we should go back for a bigger bid, go back for a bigger bid. Well, Simo's come out and basically said, yeah, he's a player we'd like, but he's way out of our price range. 500 grand they want for him. <laughs> for a 27-year-old striker who hasn't even got a one-in-three record at Harrogate, you know, it's you know, which is you know, a decent record, to be fair, just under one-in-three for a team that has been down near the bottom of League 2 for most of the time they've been up. But you wouldn't pay that much, would you? No. For a lad like that at that age. I know he's got two years in his contract, so Harry got have got every right to ask for that if they want. But realistically, no. And also Simo said that look his wages would be way out of our price range. Well, he's gonna to want to get as big a deal as he can, isn't he, for probably what is his last decent payday he can get in his career. Um so yeah, I think there's been a few people on Twitter getting the knickers and the twists and demanding, you know, we pay big money for you know, Armstrong or something like that. I think they've sort of been put a little bit in their place by Simo by that, haven't they? I think it's fair yeah. to say. It's, it's also interesting, speaking of that, there seems to be this sudden thing that we have money to spend on a striker. Just because we've put a bid in doesn't mean we've got bags full of money. Yeah. You know, yeah, we, like, we, could, we could be... I, th- I, think, I think people seem to think we've got all the Trafford money in a water or something. And no, we haven't. It's highly, highly unlikely, you know. And, and what they've got to understand is they say, oh, we've got this money coming. Well, how, how come we've got all this money from playoffs we aren't spending it? And it's like, well, we've got this money in, but the fact is we were at a loss last season. And most seasons we run at a loss. And that's, well, the, only, that's the only way we down, can compete. <laughs> we're down for 600 grand lost on the season just finished. Yeah. That won't come out until the... Autumn, accounts are out in yeah. January, but yeah. Nigel Clemens has already said that in his CUSG notes. And the, the money made from Wembley mainly went on the cost of taking everyone there and the promotion bonuses. So yeah, that's what you got to remember as well. Like you don't actually get that much from Wembley because you have to split it with the other twenty-three clubs, don't you? In in yeah. in League Two, quite often. So you only get you get a little bit more than most of the clubs. You and us and Stockport, but the rest generally gets split. So. You got to remember, there's there's no huge like it's not like suddenly we've got this one million pound bonus from going up. It doesn't work like that. And the fact is, we have to run at a lot of most seasons to compete because other teams do that. Most teams, like there's very few teams, if any, that run at a profit. And even those that run at a profit, it's quite often a paper profit, isn't it? It's not a actual. They've suddenly got money in the bank. So there needs to be a level of realism, I think, from our fans on these things sometimes. And like you said. Although we've put an offer in for a player, I would not be surprised if that offer was below six figures. Yeah, it's it's yeah. We we might be looking at other markets where it's cheap. We might be looking at the Scottish market. We might be looking at the Irish market to bring a player. Might we to you know have a look yeah, and potentially it might, put an offer might, in. might just be like a fifty grand or something. You know, yeah. Jordan Gibson was what twenty five grand was he? I think or something like that when we paid yeah. for him. You know, it might be one of those type of ones really. So you never know. But there you go. Um, right, better quickly move on. Let's. Just to cover off the uh, reserve game from midweek. So the second string, they were given a good run out at uh, Brockhall Training Centre in East Lancashire. Facing Blackburn Rovers, the home side ran out 3-0 winners. Doesn't really reflect the game though, does it, Dan, by looks of things? Because although Blackburn were 1-0 up for uh, much of the game, 
actually the other two goals came in the 89th minute and the very last kick of the game. <laughs> so at that point, United were trying to push forward and get a goal. So um, not a bad run out there for some of the experienced players and players who haven't been playing too much lately, wasn't it, I think? First run out yeah. Anderson yeah, was, and Ablade. Yeah, it was uh, minutes in the tank. You know, it's basically a glorified friendly Uh you know, games have started thick and fast. It's good to get a few minutes in the legs and you would think some of these players will likely uh, play in the trophy we don't talk about. Yes, that's a different but, uh, weeks or something. Isn't it? I, I have no idea what it is. I know usually it's the start of September. It's, it's what's well, international. Well, it's meant to be international week, but it actually started yeah. this week. So Yeah, the, the, the under-21 21 games. So the under-21s could play this week because they're all real international yeah. duty because it's a shambles. But, yes, yeah. well, but like that... On that point, Simo did actually do an article with Henry Winter, didn't he, about this? And I know one of our listeners did ask us if we wanted to talk about this. And I think we've covered it off quite a few times, haven't we? And Simo is very much praising the trophy, saying, you know, that he feels it's done good and it's still a good competition. I do he, I do get his point of view because he's he's worked yeah. in FA age groups. Exactly, exactly. And he'll be heavily influenced by that. But sorry, mate, you're wrong. We love the man. We think he's done brilliant stuff for the club, but you know, occasionally people get things wrong, don't they? And uh, he's, yeah. for us, he's completely wrong on this because at the end of the day, it's ruined a competition. The, the competition shouldn't be there just to train young players up for big clubs. That's not what it's there for. It's to give clubs like us in Exeter's and Morecambe's and Accrington's and the Burton's of the world the chance to get to Wembley. That's what it's about. It's not about training up these players. I mean, we can bang on about, oh, it's really helped. You know, look at the young players we've got to see. Well, one of them was Garnacho. That's not helping England. That's yeah. helping Argentina, isn't it? At the end of the day, I think. I think yeah. when you look back as well, there was, uh, there was an international keeper who was thirty-one year old, played yeah. a game for someone, and you know, just yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we, we, our, our views are very clear on that, and we will continue to not report on those games uh, on the podcast this season. If other people don't like that. We'll, Sorry, I'm sure there's other places you can go and find out about them, but we we do not talk about that competition. Um, yeah, so it was a good good run out that game anyway. Look, you know, pretty much exclusively first team squad players, wasn't it? Playing in the um, starting lineup. Um, it's good to see Kai Nugent out there as well, though. Dan get 45 minutes under his belt as well, coming back. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Only one, only one who didn't feature was Dylan McGee. I think that was always planned, wasn't it? That he was going to take it a little bit more slowly yeah, and yeah. come back. So, so there you go. Good stuff. Right, match review time then, Dan. Uh, Cal United nil, Exit City two. Uh, just another frustrating afternoon in our life back in League One, isn't it? Really, because as I mentioned at the top of the show, they didn't outplay us. We weren't played off the park, but we're just lacking that cutting edge at the moment, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, was it a nil-two defeat? Well, yes, but it, it wasn't. You know, it was. We certainly weren't that bad. Uh, they basically took their chances. That's what it boiled down to. Yeah, I mean, you look at the stats, Dan, just the bare stats to start off. Um, Possession-wise, not really much to pick between. It's 53% for them, 47% for us. Shots, we had 13 uh, shots off target, six on target, to be fair. They had 11 off. So, uh, sorry, not, that's not. I got that wrong, sorry. 13 shots in total, six on target for us. 11 shots on target for them and three on target. 11 corners for us, which is a hell of a lot. Three uh, corners for them. And yeah, it's just a very balanced game, but they were just a little bit more decisive on a couple of occasions. I mean, look, they've scored two of the three shots on target, haven't they, basically? So. And uh, I think I think at this higher level, you you need to capitalise when you do create those chances, which is yeah. exactly what Exeter did. I think that corner stat really stands out for me now, actually, when I look at it, because you think last season we were so good on corners. You know, causing problems, you know, in terms of scoring goals. And this season, we haven't really looked like we're going to score off them, have we? It's been a little yeah. bit different. And yeah. maybe you're missing a little bit of Feeney in there, causing a bit of bother with his physicality. Lavelle's maybe not the same sort of player in that sense. And maybe you're missing someone like, you know, Christian Dennis pinning the keeper or dragging defenders away because they know he's going to be there to pick a tap, or tap in, you know, if, if the ball comes loose. So maybe little things like that possibly are influencing that. But, uh, but there you go. Um terms of, well, obviously when the starting lines were announced, um, no real shock was there, only one change. Finn back coming in for Jack Ellis, I think we all expected that. So other than that, same 11 that started. It was Formation-wise, though, it was very much 4-3-3, wasn't it? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty um, close Yeah, it, it's 4 3 3. Mellis just goes where he wants in that, doesn't he? So. Yeah, another game where he you know, ran around and caused a bit of chaos. You know what? We'll talk about goals and stuff in a minute, but on Mellish, I think it's quite marked how much better of a footballer he is now compared to what he was a couple of seasons ago. Because when he goes into midfield now, he doesn't look out of place at all, does he? Yeah, he's not going to be as good as Guy and Moxon, but he doesn't look like he's a million miles off them, if you know what I mean. His touch is much better. He's passing much better. Sometimes when he gets the ball at full pelt, he still... Struggles to get it under control, but that's just because of the speed he's going at. He needs to maybe turn that in a little bit. But I, I personally, you, you may disagree, but I think I think he looks all right in midfield these days. I still think I'd prefer someone else in there, like a Gibson, maybe. You know, if you're going to go for you know a three 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 or not three 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 four three three or three five two or something like that. But but yeah, yeah. Um, I think we might see us change back to five this week, though. Uh, yeah, for the away it's, game. Yeah, it's. I think there will be times when it's justified playing the four. I mean, you could argue on the stats that the four did nothing wrong this time. Mm. Uh, we, we all know where the trouble is at the moment. Yeah, but yeah, it's just annoying. Yeah, just, 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 just really frustrating, isn't it? That we can't get it over the line. Um. In terms of the action, I, mean, I thought first half it was pretty equal actually, and we had a couple of really good chances. I mean, Sean Maguire looked lively up front. He, he burst through midfield and um, hit a low shot that flew just past the post, and then there was a great chance for Finn back, wasn't it? It was sort of a snap shot he had, wasn't it? Really, he sort of just he, he sat up really nicely from a Gibson cross that was deflected, and he just sort of how would you describe the way he hit it? It was kind of strange, wasn't it? He sort of stood on his standing leg and just swung his right leg at it, didn't he? Yeah, past the post. It was a, it was an odd one. Um, they had a couple of uh, long range efforts uh, that went wide. Um, yeah, and uh, Melish had a good chance, didn't he? In terms of um, the ball came, fell to him nicely in the box, and he just swung a right foot at it, and the keeper did well to palm it over. They were the main chances. But before we even talk about the goals, we've got to talk about the yellow card incident, haven't we? Because this was quite pivotal in what happened in the game. So, Dimitri Mitchell, um, I think we mentioned him in the preview about ex-Man United, isn't he, I think, Man United youth. Um, looked quite lively on the wing for them. Um, first yellow card, um, he, he sort of got caught on the ball and Maguire got away with it. And he has a proper swig at him, doesn't he? This, this tackle was worse than I actually realised. When, when you watch it back on the TV, I, I, at first I thought, oh, he's just tripped him. But he has a good lunge, doesn't he, Dan? Yeah, he put, he probably goes in for it. It's just a tell. I, I think he's genuinely surprised that he didn't get anything for it. You know, it's no. That's I meant. I meant the, the, the first one. I mean, oh, sorry, sorry, the first one. Not, yeah, not the a, first one was pretty bad. Yeah, it's one of those ones. If he's if his studs were a little bit higher, I think he might have potentially been in danger of getting a red card because he catches him quite on his ankle after the ball's gone. So it's kind of. I think he's lucky that it's it's more the the the, the top of his foot rather than the, the sole that catches Maguire and yeah yeah it was de- it's a booking definitely a booking one of those ones where you think, mm, you know you, you, you you're walking on the tightrope there mate and then ten minutes later again he gets get caught dawdling on the ball Finn back nips him brilliantly and Finn backs away down the right and he kicks at him there's no way of putting it he doesn't go for the ball at all he goes for his trailing leg basically that the the leg that's behind rather than the leg where the ball is to, to basically take his feet away and bring him down which he does i can't understand how that's not a yellow card can you no uh i think you know the co- the commentary james phillips was like how is it rory loy who uh who did a good job on the yeah. uh, guest call comms uh he, he was he was just genuinely shocked that nothing had happened i mean Considering the fact that he'd already been booked, it was the clearest yellow card you'll see this season. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not one of those ones, oh, you know, you've got to give him another chat. You know, you can say, look, this is your last warning, because he hasn't gone for the ball. If, he, yeah. if he'd if he gone for the ball, I'd have gone, that's frustrating, but I can kind of grasp it. He's actually gone for the ball. Okay, you let him away with it. He's not gone for the ball in the slightest. And the ref's got a very clear view of it. He can see it. He just doesn't want to... He, I think he's basically thinking, he's only made two tackles. I don't really want to give him a second booking for an identical tackle. 
That's the only reason I can think, because he's got to give a red card for a second yellow for that, surely. It's just any day of the week. And you say about the commentary for the uh, for, from Radio Cumbria, well, I listen back, I, I watch back the I follow uh, match replay occasionally on the official website. And what you can do is you can switch, <coughs> excuse me, between the home and away commentaries. And I like to listen to both just to get a feel of what the away commentary is saying as well. And my God, they were exactly the same. They're like, oh, he's in trouble here. I think he's going to go. I'm like, oh, well, he's got he's got away with one there. He really has got away with one. So even they accept it. And actually, if you go and look at even Exeter City's Twitter feed said, Dimitri Mitchell is a lucky boy, you know, which sums it up. It's, it's a howler. It's an absolute howler. I have no yeah, idea if he's yeah. refereeing this weekend, but he shouldn't it's, be really. It'll be another of those where we get the apology and the apologies mean nothing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pointless, isn't it, afterwards? It's just, you know, get it right in the first place, isn't it, really? Into the second half, um, I feel Exeter got just a little bit more of a grip on the game, didn't they, I think, maybe? Um, Holy was a bit lucky, but at one point he came out to the left-back position and tried to clear the ball. He just got it along the floor and Trevitt tried to lob him. Maybe he was never on target. And I think Holy might have had it covered if it had been. Um, and there was a chance for us at the event where... Gibson's ball to box found Maguire and he hit a, hit a shot on the turn quite nicely that the keeper saved. Um, and then they had a really good chance with Sweeney. He flicked a header from a corner just wide of the far post. Tell you what, that Pierce Sweeney for them has put a bit of chunk on, hasn't he? And I speak yeah. as a man who's, who's carrying a bit of chunk himself. You know, he, 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 he's playing right back as well. He's not playing at centre-back. So you'd think he'd need a bit, to be a bit trimmer to be get up and down the pitch. But a fair play. He's still a good player. But... Um, but yeah, that was the that was a sort of a, a warning sign, wasn't it? And then then came the two goals. Um, Trevitt's goal. There was a bit of suspicion at first of a handball. I think watching it back, it's hit his chest. There's there's no handball involved there. He brings the ball down on the edge of the box from a corner and just smashes a low ball through a crowd of bodies and past Holy into the back of the net. Good strike, and it's just a feeling of like oh, that. That just sums it up. They've taken their chance there, and we've not taken our chances. And then uh, you know absolutely inevitable that Dimitri Mitchell was going to score a goal, wasn't it? <laughs> or be involved yeah. at some point. Um, this one, um, quick ball into the box by Cole, found Trevor. He played the ball across and Cox really cleverly shielded it from, uh, I think it was Lavelle or um, from Huntington. Straight into the path of Mitchell. And actually watching it back, Alfie McCalmont gets caught ball watching on this one. He's not sharp enough to get to to uh, Mitchell in time and he had a chance to take a touch and just put it into the bottom corner and... I mean, it was game over that point, wasn't it? And it was nine minutes to go, and there was always going to be a lot of added yeah. time. But you never really felt like we were going to score a goal, did you? It was a a real frustrating one, I think. Um, how would you sort of generally sum up your feelings after that game, Don? Uh, annoyed, just disappointed. Uh, if we're to stay in League One, there's certain games you should be looking at on the fixture list as that's that's three points we need, and this was probably one of them. Uh, as I said earlier, fair play to Exeter have took the chances and went home with the three points. It's uh, yeah, it's just I think it's just one of them. With it being early in the season, we just have to chalk it down to a little bit of inexperience at this level. Yeah, it it is one of those ones you look and you think that you think. Oh. I think you're right in terms of you should you should be looking at thinking that's a game we should win. But I'm just looking here, Dan, right? If you go back to the League Two, the start of the League Two playoffs in 2017, I'm just counting up here. Um, I think we've won one in 11 since then. And they've won seven. Uh, they've won, looking at this, yeah, eight of them. So they're very much a bogey team for us. We just don't get results against them for some reason. Exit to them. Maybe, maybe they're like our Harrogate in League One. Um but yeah, I, I agree with you. Like it's just one of those ones you look and you think that's one we should be looking at and thinking, yeah, we we can we should get three points against them. It's a long journey up for them, you know. I know they had their two days as we mentioned beforehand, but obviously did them did them did them a good job in the end, I guess. Um, I mean, like I said, we're, we're playing reasonably well. We're playing, and actually, we played some nice football at times in this game. But it's that lack of cutting edge at times and. For me, decision making's a big thing. I don't know what you think, but I feel like far too often players are keeping over the ball too long. And and look, we we think Jordan Gibson's had a brilliant start to the season, and he probably wasn't quite as good in this one as he was against Wigan, but still had a fairly decent game. The thing that frustrates me with Jordan is he he does take a few too many touches sometimes, and it's not even getting the ball under control. He's just 
keeps touching the ball. And sometimes you just want him to get the ball into his feet and get out of his feet and play the pass and get moving because his movement's so good. He can find space. I'd just like to see him do that a little bit more often. Yeah, um, it's just we all we all know it's just not clicking that final third, and mm. you know we we sort of interchange the forwards a little bit. Uh, interesting, Joe Garner hasn't really featured much yet. No, that's one uh, we can talk about. Yeah, and um, you know the likes of sort of Gibson and Alfie, they just haven't hit the heights of were at the end of last season when we were flying. So it's yeah, you know it's. It'll That's, come, it'll yeah. come. But there's an argument Gibson's been our best player so far this season, or one of them at very least. I think Callum Guy should be up there as well for a mention. See, but I, I, think, I disagree there, but... Yeah, I, I, I think Gibson, when he... On the, he's on been, the Guy bit, not the Gibson bit. Okay, I, that, that, yeah. I, I think genuinely, when Guy's been at his top of the season, we've looked at our best, and I think I think he's going to be vital for us this season. An argument, I mean, the stats seem to suggest Moxon's been our best player. I, from performances, I don't think he's been anywhere near it, to be honest. It's... Yeah, we we all think he's a brilliant player, but yeah, I think with Gibson, our feeling is that he can actually be even better than he's been, and that's the kind of frustration I think there maybe for us. Um, yeah, in terms of that formation, number four three three. Do you think it's working? Do you think that front three quite works? Do you think maybe we need to change things up a little bit? I mean, Danny Butterworth, want... come off. Sorry, go on. I want us to go back to five three two. I, I think I'd agree with that. We'll talk about it in the in the preview bit, obviously. But for me, I think I'd rather go five three two. I think I'd like to see that midfield three that started last season playing, the Gibson, Moxon, and Guy. Give that a try, yeah. see how it goes. I think I think Gibson tends to excel when you when you play that formation because Guy and Moxon will do the hard work of screening and he can you know flit about and support the two wing backs as well. Um, I think it also gets the best out of Armour and back actually as well. That formation that's the, the big positive for me. Um, yeah um, Ryan Edmondson how do you think he's getting on at the moment we we had big expectations for him this season and he, he just hasn't quite done it yet has he yeah I don't think Saturday was his best game uh, ironically he looked alright midweek against Wigan I thought but uh, but then for that it, game he genuinely just, played out wide didn't he <laughs> yeah, yeah so just, just not happening for him at the moment is it it's uh are we starting to see signs of Sean Maguire, though, and how good he can be? Definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, his fitness will obviously be flying up now, and uh, he he looks a clever player. He really yeah. does. Technically I'm trying very to think, good. I'm it? trying to think of a comparable player previously, but... I mean, I, I said it before, and I, I, still, I think I've got feelings of maybe a bit like uh, Steve Elliott, Stephen Elliott, when we had him. I think technically very good and clever on the ball. Maybe a little bit nippier than Elliot was, possibly, but um, but yeah, you, you're right. There's definitely a very clever football in there, and, he, and the way he uses the ball, and the way he moves about the pitch as well, is, is really impressive. Um, yeah, obviously we've, we've talked about the Mitchell sending off. Um, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll do one of our six second reviews now and just get some of their thoughts. So first up, uh, we'll start with uh, Regan Thompson. Exeter at home. It's, it's a disappointing loss. We were the better side, I'd say. Uh, obviously, the difference is they've took their chances and they're going away with the points. They're, it's two. It's two really poor goals to concede defensively. I think both of them. We should have been getting blocks in. We should have been clearing our lines earlier on, and and that's what we've been punished for. Obviously, the lad who scored the second goal at the time, I could understand why the ref didn't send him off. In, in live play, I thought it's it's definitely a yellow card, but is it enough to send him off? Probably not. I thought it was one of them ones, but. Since looking back at it, it's Stonewall. You know the referee's very close by. The lads just swiped out backs like it's a, it's a, it's it's a Stonewall yellow card, and he should have gone. The ref was quite poor yesterday. He had a lot of time wasting, and one minute added on for the first half was just bizarre, especially with the new rule change. But you know that's no excuse. The reason we've not won that game is because we're not taking our chances. I think Garner can kick himself a little bit when you look at the bench. The player that you've got who who can come on and play that role is Joe Garner, and he's not come on, so he he must be asking questions of Simo. But overall, you know, I think it's it's positive signs. We've definitely come on much better from the Fleetwood and Oxford games in terms of um, taking chances. 
maybe something's got to change in that back line. Maybe Huntington comes out. I'm not sure, but it's positive signs. I don't think it's as doom and gloom as people think, and we've definitely got something to build on up the blues. That's some interesting points in there from Regan. Um, we'll talk about the garden one in a minute, just about the referee. Yeah, that that was weird, wasn't it? One minute of added on time at the start there. At the end of the yeah, first half? Yeah. I mean, because the, it wasn't loads of time, missing, but there was enough to add on three minutes at least, you'd think. Yeah, yeah. Very, very odd decisions. That. I mean, like you said, in terms of the the, the second yellow, it, it's an obvious swipe, you know. Just, it's just, just weird that he didn't do it. Um, Garner, yeah. What's your thoughts on this one? He's not featured for the last couple of games. I could maybe grasp it against Wigan because we, we were in momentum. We didn't really need to make the change. And look, in a, in a feisty atmosphere, he could have, you know... We, we know it's his former club and he's been sent off against them before you can grasp that. In this one, I was a bit puzzled why he didn't come on with a little bit to go, just to give us something a bit physical up there, maybe. Yeah. Uh, he just doesn't seem to have had his turn yet. It's like the whole getting turns, you know what I mean? Planned, mm. but we've got minutes. It's... Yeah, it's a strange It'd be in- interesting to see if he features much against Port Vale, because if yeah. not... Do you start questioning his role in the squad? Yeah, surely he's got to feature at some point, really. Maybe he's trying to keep him fresh for a game like that one, maybe looking and thinking, look, I've got to use him sparingly. I don't know, he's played in midweek in the reserve game, so that's keeping him ticking over, I guess. Um, You mentioned mentioned Butterworth there. Um, I'm just not convinced at the moment by him. I don't know what kind of player he is. He had a nice little run at the end of the game where he ran through. I mean, the game was gone by then and, and hit a low shot that was saved. But what is he? Is he number 10? Is he a winger? Is he a forward? I don't seem to... He doesn't look like a winger to me sometimes the way he plays. But then the way he plays as number 10, he looks more like a winger. It's a, it's a very strange one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I think I think so far, we're just trying all the combinations and seeing if any... Uh, mm, click. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? It's, and, and Regan mentioned there about the back line and potentially maybe needing a change there and mentioned obviously maybe Hunting to come up. I'm not sure I'd take Hunting to... I, I, I'm not convinced about Lavelle and Huntington as a centre-back pairing, if I'm honest. Not the most mobile. I think Ben Barkley maybe has an opportunity there to say, come on, maybe I should be playing there instead. You know, but I mean, even, you know, Corey Wheel, you know, had a decent finish to last season. He could... Potentially, I can say I should be getting involved, and I, I don't know. I, do, do you think that's an area that needs any tweaks at the moment, other than going to uh, a back three? Well, if if I went to a back three, I'd like to see Lavelle in the middle of the three. Mm. Uh, Barkley on the right, Mellish on the left. Is that harsh on Huntington? Yes, but at the end of the day, it's a results business, and we haven't really got results yet. So, why not try something different? No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, right, one more six-second review, and that's from uh, Johnny. I've got to give Johnny some credit here because he sent me his first one, and he said, is that too long? And it was like two and a half minutes. I was like, well, you're about 90 seconds over a minute, so technically, yeah. I said, but it's fine. And he's like, no, no, I'll do a quicker one. Got it down to one minute 36, I think it was. And I was like, all right, that's fine. That's no worries. Like, I'll have another go. Got it to one minute six seconds. I was like, okay, that's fine. You can leave it now. He's managed on his fourth attempt to get it down to bang on one minute. So here is a genuine 60-second review from Johnny. So again, it was a game of two halves, wasn't it, Brunton Park? We've seen it uh, three times now this season. I thought first half, we were the better team. Second half, Exeter just took over, didn't they? Um, We've had three big chances there with Bach and Mellish and Maguire. We haven't put any of them away. Exeter have had three chances. They've scored twice. Obviously, the first one looked like it might have been handball in the ground. I've looked back at it now. I'm not sure. Maybe it does come off his chest, but it is what it is. Second goal there, second goal. He shouldn't have been on the pitch, should he? The referee, it was just atrocious. That could have been two red cards on a different day with a different referee. And how he's only got one yellow out of that is utterly beyond me. But I think it's obvious for us all to see we need goals. Simpson's trying to address it. He's trying to get lads in before the end of the window. And yeah, we need it. We also need points. Port Vale and Shrewsbury, big opportunities to pick up those points. I think we need four out of that. Looking forward to Port Vale on Saturday, and yeah, hopefully the turnaround begins. That was very efficient, that wasn't it? 
talking very yeah. quickly, making sure you fit it all in. Great stuff there from uh, from Johnny. Uh, that's pretty much summed up what we've already said, isn't it, really? So uh, that's good to hear. Um, quick rundown through the League One results before we go to the halftime breakdown. Um, well, results of the day. The first one up, it was the early kickoff, wasn't it? Half 12 kickoff. I actually saw some of their fans at Wigan Northwestern on the way to this game. And they would have been happy bunnies because Wigan Athletic won 4 0 at the, uh, at the university. I'm going to say Reebok Stadium there, but it's not the Reebok, it's the University of Bolton Stadium against Bolton Wanderers. And Bolton, your tip for the top, have had a brilliant start to the season. Really brought crashing down to earth, haven't they, by this one? Uh, it is a tough sheet community stadium. Sorry, you are much. right. Thank you. I remember that. I, I should have remembered that because it is a genuinely hilarious the tough sheet. Tough sheet, yeah. not tough shit. <laughs> yeah. But that's what it is. Yeah. That's what it was for uh, Bolton this weekend, wasn't it? Because uh, what a result yeah. for Wigan, that, isn't it? It's incredible, isn't it? And you know what? The more you look at it, you, you maybe wouldn't bet against them sneaking into the top two, you know, even with an eight points deduction. Because they're flying Wigan, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, that was a, a big, big result. Uh, there'll be an X blue feature later, mm. scoring a couple. I'm pretty sure everyone can guess who like, but nah, yeah, no, it? big, big result, big, big result. And uh, Bolton and all mugs. Uh, yeah, it's Ben Amos, isn't it? That's that's the one you're on about. But um, <laughs> no, anyway. yeah, um, yeah, uh, Barnsley. Not well, the greatest start since that 7-0 win on the opening day, have they? Lost 3-1 at home to Oxford United, who've really picked up some form since they beat us, haven't they? Beating Derby and Barnsley now, so looks like maybe they are going to do a bit better than uh, than I expected this season. Um, Blackpool nil, Leighton Orient nil. Blackpool not conceded a goal yet this season, but they've now had three nil nils in a row. So I think yeah. we know where their problems are, don't we? Um, I think they signed a strike, haven't they signed the lad from Sutton this week? Kwasi? Yes. Yeah. Who doesn't have a particularly great goal scoring record, it should be said. So, bit of a gamble there. Um, Cambridge United are making us look like mugs, aren't they, right now? So, um, yeah. 2 0 home win over Bristol Rovers. They see something this week about um, Joey Barton apparently putting his interviews on OnlyFans or something like that. Yes, something obscure. He's, uh, he he won't talk to the out. media now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's only fans or something similar, but I remember reading something about that. It was quite bizarre, wasn't it? Um, obviously, excellent to beat us 2 0. Port Vale, our opponents this weekend, we'll talk about their game in the uh, second half of the show, but they got a pretty good result, I think it's fair to say. Derby County got a 1 0 win over Fleetwood. I think that sort of keep, gets them going, really, doesn't it? Fleetwood having a pretty poor start. They haven't won yet, have they? So I think we're one point ahead of them, and they've had the draw against us and then three losses in a row. Northampton got their first win, a big game. This isn't it. Northampton against Peterborough, big derby game. Yeah, um, the, 1-0 victory. The Riverdean derby. Yes. Did you see the goal in this one? No. Utterly no. bizarre. I think it was from Pinnock. He just he basically came to him on the right wing. I think the ball was sort of cleared out to him. And he just hooked the ball back into the box and it just looped right up and over the keeper. It wasn't a shot. It was definitely a cross. Really, really bizarre goal. Uh, Portsmouth 0-0 against Cheltenham. Um, they'll probably be a bit disappointed with that, I think, Portsmouth. Reading got a 2-0 victory over Stevenage, who I think, after that good start, I've had a couple of um, slightly less good results now. Um, Shrewsbury, uh, they lost 1-0 at home against Lincoln City, and then finally Wickham 0-0 against Burton Albion. Right, we'll take a short break, and then we'll be back to... Review, uh, sorry, preview the uh, Port Vale game. This is John Mellish. You listen to the Brunton Bugle. In second half of the show, um, yes, we haven't got behind enemy lines this week. Um, unfortunately, uh, we were going to speak to the guys from the Ale and the Vale podcast, but unfortunately, we couldn't fit in a time to speak to them. So uh, hopefully, we'll get them later in the season when we play against them. And I'm pretty sure I've got a Shrewsbury one lined up to do for next week, so we will have that back next week, definitely. Um, right, should we have the uh, question again, Dan, from Mike, just to remind everyone what the question yeah. was for this week? In 2007, I'm sure that we all remember Joe Garner's absolute rocket of a goal for the Blues at Port Vale that came in a 2-0 win. Now, who else scored for the Blues that day? And we had a man sent off. Who was it? Right, so we've gone... We think Danny Graham scored the other goal and we think Luke Joyce was sent off, don't we? We're fairly fairly confident on that. So let's have the answer to Mike's question. The goal scorer was Danny Graham, and the man sent off was Luke Joyce. Hey, there you go. Bang on the money. Yeah, I'm pretty pleased that. And Luke Joyce obviously went on to play for Port Vale in the end as well, so nice little connection there. There we go, right into this one, Dan. Port Vale away. 
as you said, I think this is one we're looking at, and oh, they had a br- they had a brilliant result the weekend. It should be said. Obviously, we, we sort of briefly touched it there, but they won three two at Charlton Athletic in a bit of a crazy game, wasn't it? When you look at it, actually, it was. Um, I think Charlton took an early lead from a penalty through Alfie May, but then Port Vale scored two quick fire goals. A header from Wilson on a free kick, and um, then uh, Ethan Chislett scored on a a counter attack, basically from I think almost straight from the kickoff. Um, and then Charlton levelled, and then with two minutes to go, Charlton were pushing for a winner and got done on the on a counter attack from one of their own corners, uh, and um, and yeah. Port Vale went and got the winner. I think you've mentioned before, though, Dan, Charlton have got a few injuries at the moment, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. So they're not quite down to the bare bones, but they are struggling a little bit to get players on the pitch. But um, terrific result for them. And um, yeah, what are you expecting from this one? Because I mean, I think we sort of said in the preseason preview, we were we weren't quite sure on them because they they looked fairly solid defensively and they had a few decent midfielders and defenders in there. But we felt maybe they were lacking a little bit in attack, weren't they? Yeah, uh, Vale Park's where we've got quite a decent record in recent mm. visits. Uh, I think we've won three out of the last five there. Connor Simpson's got a winner there. That, yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and when I was looking at their squad, it, it's not the biggest squad, you know. 21 uh, players, yeah, it's, it's quite small. Yeah. A lot, there's a few clubs like that are level, though, aren't they? I think they're maybe going a little bit more for quality over quantity and... Maybe that's where we've been a bit different this season. We've because of all the injuries we had last season. We're going for a little bit more cover, aren't we? I suppose in that sense. Yeah, maybe. yeah. yeah. But no, uh, I I actually think it's somewhere we can get something this week. Uh, we certainly nothing to be afraid of, you know. No, no disrespect to Port Vale, and they're no sleeping giants or anything for me. Yeah. It's I, I think it's one we should be. Yeah, we should looky look into to get something here. James Wilson in attack for them. Now, when we did the pre-season preview, he'd left the club in the summer. Yeah. But it turns he out signed, he returned. Didn't he? I didn't know this when I was doing when we were doing the research. He actually returned to Port Vale for pre-season training, having turned down a new deal from them, I think. Or I can't remember if he was turned down or he didn't get offered one. Came back for pre-season training, proved his fitness, and he signed a six-month contract with them to try and prove that, right, I can actually stay fixed. I mean, that's that's always been the problem with him, isn't it? I think there's always been an acceptance he's a really good footballer, but it's whether he can actually keep himself on the pitch. Um, obviously, scored the one of the goals against uh, Charlton the weekend, and you know, potentially that, that maybe is that little bit of quality in there. I think Ellis Harrison's not a bad player as well, and Gavin Massey's got a bit of experience, but it is an area where I did wonder if they were, similar to us, they were a little bit short. Um Jason Lowe in midfield is one that allegedly we were after in the summer and turned yeah. us down to go there. So interesting to see what reception he gets from our fans. If he, he might, it'd be funny if he wasn't the player and, and he just getting stick. He's like, what the hell? I've, I've done nothing to you yeah. guys. But um, we're fairly certain it was him, to be fair. Um, yeah. When you look at the summer editions, then Chislett's quite not a bad addition, isn't he? To be fair, busy sort of midfielder. Always like he's one of those ones who, when he plays. He, because he's so small and his arms are going all over the place. He always looks very busy, doesn't he? He's that kind of player. I do like him. And Connor Grant's a decent addition from I'm, I'm, well. I was just going to mention another Connor, as in Connor Ripley, the keeper. Yes. Uh, one that was sort of, you know, fans were like, oh, we wouldn't mind him when, uh, before we, when we were in the market for a keeper and hmm. uh, last summer. And he had, he, I think he was Morecambe's player of the year, despite the relegation, which yeah. sort of tells you how good he was. He's one who's always been good, and I'll always hark back to it, but we played a pre-season game, I think in about 2010 against Middlesbrough when he was there, and he had like the game of his life that day, didn't he? He was unbelievable. I think we won 1-0 still, but I think it was a James Barrett free kick, if I remember rightly. Um, and and yeah, we, we just dominated the game, but he just had an unbelievable match. He just constantly saving the ball. It was ridiculous. So, so there you go. So yeah, I, I agree. I think he's an... Uh, you know, getting a decent keeper at this level is half the battle, isn't it? Sometimes, you know, someone you can know you can rely on. Um, Thomas Holy obviously going back to his old club this weekend, isn't he? Yeah, there's one or two of our players in the uh, in the list, isn't there? I mean, looking through their squad, there's actually none in their squad now who actually. Yeah, I was quite this. surprised at that. There usually, usually has been, but uh, yeah. there's yeah. none this time. Obviously, yeah, Daryl Clark was their manager last season. He did an incredible job getting them up, didn't he? And especially considering all the you know, sad things that happened with him off the pitch in terms of his daughter dying, you know, that, you know, such a tough time for him. And, and I think the club supported him brilliantly by all accounts. Um, 
last season, it was tough for them, I think, back in League One. I think they... they it's quite similar to us in that sense. They went up through the playoffs and I think they found it a challenge because it was because you're coming up so late, getting players in and stuff. You're you're behind. The three have already gone up, aren't you, by about three weeks. So you're competing in a different market almost. And they went on a run of uh, 18 games where they only won two and in the end they had to let him go. And Andy Crosby's assistant took over on caretaker base and he's got the job permanently. I think there's a feeling of like, are they just giving him it because he had an okay spell there? But, so far, you know, opening day, 7-0 defeat at Barnsley. There was a bit of worry there. But, I mean, since then, they've won three... Well, they've, they've gone three unbeaten, haven't they? They're 1-0 yeah. win over <laughs> Reading. 0-0 at They've Blackpool. Quite well since, haven't they? And, yeah, the win at Charles. So, you know, maybe it's just one of those false starts, isn't it, sometimes? You have from teams. Um, uh, should note, uh, for the fans going down this weekend, uh, we've been moved, haven't we? So, if you've previously been to Port Vale, we're behind... The goal that's sort of nearest the main road, isn't it, basically? So the, the main road you go through Burson to get to the ground, it's basically nearest to that. But now we've been shifted to behind the other goal, haven't we? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure why this is. Uh, I wonder if it's maybe there's been some issues in terms of trouble with some games, maybe, basically. Because I think with this, what they can do, because they, they tell away fans to park in the leisure centre that sort of you have to walk down a back lane or a little path to get to the away end from there. Maybe that's an easier way to keep them a bit more separated. But I mean, most fans will still go to the town and never drink. I'm just going to park on one of the side, well, side streets when we go tomorrow. So, you know, realistically, that, that's that's the way it'll be, I think. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what it's like, though, because the view behind the other goal, and I keep banging about this, is terrible. Because because I'm talking about this at the game uh, the game of the weekend with Greg and Co. And we're all saying, like, it's just too shallow. Because it used to be just a terrace. Putting just bolting seats onto that just means it's a terrible view. So I'm hoping behind the other goal is a bit better, but we'll have to wait and see with that one. Um, yes, uh, in terms of referee for this weekend's game, Mr. Tom Reeves from Warwickshire. Um, it's his third season as an EFL referee. This season he's taken charge of four games so far, handing out 20 yellow and zero red cards. He's been busy, man. Five yellows a game. Um, last season he handed out 114 yellows and four red cards in 37 games. Um, the last United game he took charge of was the nil-nil draw against Stevenage at Brunton Park in March this year. Feeney and Mellish were both booked for the Blues this day. Um, yeah, I think this is quite well remembered, wasn't it, for the amount of time wasting that Stevenage did and got away with, which they wouldn't, well, you'd like to think they wouldn't this season, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, but also, there's a couple of decisions. He, he probably should have sent their lad off for bringing down Edmonton when he was throwing goal, didn't he? And he didn't, so... Hopefully he's learned his lesson since then. You, you never know with these things. Um, head-to-head, 43rd meeting between the two sides, of which United have won... It's quite close, actually. United have won 16. Uh, 11 have been a draw, and the Valiant have won 15. So very, very tight. Just uh, well, interesting to see how we get on in this one. Um, right, before we talk about United, we obviously have brought back the play for both feature this season. Dan, uh, who have you picked out for this week? I've got an absolute bona fide classic this week. He won promotion out the fourth, third and second division and also played in the first division. Uh, He played a couple of years for Port Vale and one for us. And it is the one and only Barry Siddle. Barry Siddle, go on. Tell us about Barry Siddle. What a goalkeeper. Barry Siddle was a goalkeeper. He was from Ellesmere Port originally. Uh, started out at Bolton, had a good four seasons there. Then he got transferred to Sunderland for about 80 grand, which was good money in 1976. Mm. Uh, he, w- he was brought in to replace sort of Sunderland legend Jim Montgomery. And he had, uh, he had, he had about six years at Sunderland. But towards the end, he... Uh, he had a load at Darlington. And he also had a load at Vancouver Whitecaps. And this was around the time that Beardsley was there. And I will uh, I'll have to check up and see if they actually played together there. It was quite a common thing, though, in the 70s and 80s, wasn't it, for players to go on loan to American clubs in the summer. Just to, yeah, yeah. Because quite often, your contract for some players, they didn't get paid in the summer, did they? They had to yeah, go and basically yeah. earn a bit of money playing in America often. Uh, yeah, after Sunderland, he, he went to Port Vale uh, a couple of seasons. He had a little load of Blackpool. And then he, he, he went across the city to Stoke, which is uh, 
I don't think people realise how big the Port Vale Stoke rivalry is. Sometimes, you know, it's they haven't played as much recently. It's uh, it's when they play, it's it's heated, you know. Uh, yeah, when he was at Stoke, a couple of loans at Tranmere, Man City, and he went to Blackpool for three years, and then he started becoming a bit of a a journeyman. Uh, went to Stockport, Hartlepool, West Brom. He was actually at Moseley for a few games before he signed for us in 1991. Uh, we we really were the pits in 1991. Uh, it was probably easy money for him, you know. Uh, played about 24 games, I think it was, in the league for us. We were a, a terrible team, though. Uh, he then went to Chester, Preston... Uh, he was at North, which he had a little bit out of the game, and then he actually signed for Burnley as like a, a backup, and then Birmingham City uh, mm. in '95. He was actually at Birmingham City at the time we played them in our first Wembley appearance. Wow! Yeah, uh, he. He played over 600 Football League games, and I think he did a little bit of freelance coaching. And then he he is a proper industry for a, an ex-footballer. Can you guess what he became? Was he a landlord by any chance? No. It's, and that's a good guess, because a lot of footballers then did become landlords. Truck he went to the post office. Of course he did. A lot of did. footballers go to the post office, especially in Carlisle. We all know several, you yeah. know, but... Uh, yeah, what a, he he was known for his 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 big prominent moustache, and in later years, especially when he was at Carlisle, he was uh, balding, shall we say? Brilliant, fantastic stuff. Well, there you go. That's a uh, um, Barry Siddle. Fantastic stuff. Thanks for that one, Dan. Um, I mean, I'm not going to list all the ones because it's a very, very long list. This one compared against some of the recent ones, I'll just pick a few. I mean, obviously, David and Moon recent years is one. Um, and it was Richie Bennett. Chris Birchall is an interesting one, wasn't he? Obviously, the because he, he was a two game one, it wasn't a one game one, was he? he? Played two games for us, I think. Trinidad and Tobago International, indeed. He is. Uh, John Dernan had a spell there, obviously, of the current squad. Danny Butterworth and uh, Ryan Edmondson are both ex Vale. Um, Matt Glennon had a spell there, I didn't even know that. That's quite a surprise. Um, Dean Holsworth, I can say that name, don't have to put the clown car noise in because it's the other one. Um, he, he spent time there, Steve Livingston. <laughs> Shudder when you hear that name, don't you? Um, Liam McCarron played two games for them last season in a loan spell from uh, Stoke City. Hang on, is... I'm just looking through the list. How dare you not mention the pride of Montserrat, Anthony Griffith? Well, I was leaving that one to you to say. Secret international call-ups. That's ridiculous, that, wasn't it? But there you Bizarre. go. Bizarre. Um, yeah, no, I thought I'd leave that one for you to say. But yeah, um, yeah, Liam McCurran, still at Stoke City. Not playing games. He had a loan spell at Port Vale and he played two games. I mean, there's an example. It's another example of why play shouldn't leave too early from clubs like us, isn't it, really? But, you know, hey-ho, I suppose you've got to take your chance when it comes. Um, yeah, uh, Billy Painter, your favourite there, Dan. Big Stefan had a sp- little spell there as well yeah. um, after leaving us. Um, I've got to pick up one here, though, um, and do all some, just a very quick little my own uh, play for both. Jack Round, it's one I always like to mention because Jack Round has a, a quite unfortunate, unique, not quite unique, him and one other player for Cal United hold this, uh, it's not a distinction, but this, this this happened to them, is that they both died while they were still Cal United players. So this was in like 1930, I'm just going to quickly check the date I'd open there, 1936, he died on New Year's Day in 1936, um, he got injured in a game I think, basically, I think effectively, if I remember rightly, it was, um, yeah, this was it, um, so it's essentially, he died on New Year's Day, um, and the last game that he played for us was at a Stockport in a cup tie, where he sustained a cut over his eye. Was off the field when Carlisle took the lead. Of the following Monday, he was taken to Cumberland Infirmary for appendix trouble, and he was operated on the next day. Um, and basically, um, they had, he had to have two blood transfusions, and his teammates even offered to give him blood transfusions to try and save him. And unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Um, yeah, I think um, one of the players, a uh, lad called Taylor, had um, basically agreed to 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 do the uh, blood transfusion. Um, 
unfortunately. Um, yeah, and he had to miss a game. Taylor had to miss a game because he gave a blood transfusion to um, to to rat to round. Sadly, wasn't enough, and uh, he died on New Year's Day in 1936. In fact, sorry, New Year's Eve 1936, I should say there. Um, only played 37 games for us, played 128 for Port Vale, scored five goals. Um, yeah, so that's a remarkable um, statistic. There's only two players, and they were both round about the same time um, that that happened. So quite a, a little bit of a morbid one for you there, but there you go. Um, right. Let's talk about United then, Dan, ahead of this game. Um, Injury-wise, we think McGeek is back in training, but probably not going to be fifth for this one, we'd imagine. Um, Max Killsby's obviously out on loan. What, what do you do with this one then? What, what, what are you thinking, formation and changes? What, what, what would you do? Uh, well, I've already mentioned what I would suggest in, uh, in defence. Uh, back to five, I'd like to say... Barkley, Lavella, Mellish. So uh, yeah, and I'm also going to be controversial and I would rest Callum Guy for the game. Oh, wow. I, okay. just, I just don't think he's hit the heights yet, personally. I, I don't who think he's you, been terrible. But who but, would you play instead of him? Because I don't think we've got another player who can do the job he does. Uh, I would play... Let me have just... I've got it wrote down. Let me just get that up. I would play a midfield of Moxon, Gibson and Charters. I don't think... My personal opinion, but I, I think if you take Guy out of that and you play that midfield, I, I think that midfield doesn't isn't, for me, isn't strong enough to, to be winning the ball back in screening and, and doing the stuff that Guy does. I think if you had McGeek fit, I'd maybe understand he could put McGeek Well, yeah, if, if, yeah. if McGeek was fit, I would play him because I think he's going to end up being a key player yeah. for us this season. I, I feel like he could uh, do that job. Yeah, yeah. up up front, I would go Garner and Maguire. Okay, you go. I mean, he's not the biggest front two, but then Garner's pretty good in the air despite that, isn't he? So maybe you don't yeah. have to worry too much about that. Um, I, I'd, I'd personally stick with your back five as it has been. I'd be fine with that. I'd probably want Barkley in for Lavelle, but realistically, I don't think that's happening. I think he seems to be wanting to play Lavelle every week. Um, midfield three, like I said, I'd go with Guy, Moxon and Gibson. And then up front, I'd agree with you. I think I'd probably go Garner and Maguire, just to mix it up again a little bit and get a bit of uh, physicality there and a little bit of trickery alongside uh, Garner. Um, yeah. Don't want to bring Jaden Harris in yet. Free Jaden Harris, the sweet prince, as you call him. No, he'd be on the bench. Yes, of course he would. He'd have to be involved at some point, wouldn't he? Um, right, well, looking ahead to this one then, Dan, with time for predictions. What are you going to go for? I'm going to go for a 1-0 win. And goal scorer? And Sean Maguire. Sean Maguire. I'm going to go 2-0. Sean Maguire and... Uh, Callum Guy against his former club. Right, here's Mike's prediction for the game. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win with goals from Mellish and Maguire. There you go, he's gone Mellish and Maguire. We're all gone for Maguire, interestingly. So, interesting to see how that turns out. Right, Dan, let's wrap things up with the X-Files section. Not too busy this week. Yeah, uh, not the busiest of uh, X-Files this week. Uh Jenny Yates settling well at Swansea, scored in the one-all draw at home to Coventry. Uh, I think it's it's accepted as a championship level striker now. Good player. Uh, mentioned it's well hinted at this one earlier. Charlie White got two. Uh, Wigan in that four-nil win at uh, Bolton, uh, absolutely on fire. Hopefully his uh, heart troubles are behind him and he's you know top scorer this, this, in the division on five goals now. So yeah, this one makes me sad. Christian Dennis, King Christian, got off the mark for Tranmere, but they were in a 4-3 home defeat at Salford. I wonder if we regret not offering them the straight two there now. I think that's one of those things you look at and you think, was it worth the punt of just doing that two years and then maybe maybe even if you think next summer we're not going to keep him, you can try and move him on maybe. I know you end up stuck with him potentially there, but to be honest, it sounds like he was pretty keen to move back down that way anyway to be yeah, fair so it might yeah. not have stayed either way so yeah, yeah. Uh, Jack Bridge uh, pops up now and again he scored for the Shrimpers who were in uh, big trouble still but uh, 
they got beat three two at home to Hartlepool. Yeah, it, it looks a real mess for them, doesn't it? Really off the field yeah, pitch, yeah. their their owner Ron Martin. He's been owner for. I mean, I remember their fans moaning about him back in like two thousand. You know, that's that's how long ago because they were they were talking about a new ground back then, weren't they? And you look now, they're still at Root Hall, and you see some of the photos of the summer. It looked an absolute state, didn't it? It did not yeah. look great. So quite sad for them. Uh, Mark Beck scored for Solihull in a 3-0 home win over Dorking Wanderers. He mm. always pops up with the odd goal. Uh, he is a blast. This one had yes. you scratching your head for a minute, didn't it? Well, because I, I thought it was Gary. And I was like, he didn't score for South Shields. I've just looked through the thing. Because I always, you do the list of the things. We don't put the score yeah, in the chat. Yeah. And I go and write it in the thing with a little bit of detail about the game they're involved in. And I was like, he's not scored for South Shields. But I was wrong. He wasn't that, he wasn't Gary, was it? It was Michael, and we're talking about the Liddles. Michael mm. Liddle scored a rare goal for Blythe as uh, they got beat 2-1 at home. Uh, no, as a bit, you missed the opposition. Sorry. I, was, I can't remember if it won or Sorry, that, that's completely my fault. I'd, I've not yeah. filled it in properly. Give me two secs. I will go and find that for you. <laughs> we'll, we'll fill here a little bit. Um, National well, League we, we, North. We, we did, we 2-1 did win over that. Hereford, sorry. Yes. That's what it was. Yeah, but we did surprise ourselves with the fact that he's only 33 years old. Astonishing that because we we had him alone two thousand eight two thousand nine season under yeah. Robert I think it was and yeah. he would have been eighteen then basically and you yeah. kind of forget sometimes like, these lads. Craig, so Craig Cullen turned thirty four the other day. Yeah, and Craig Cullen's one of them. You think oh, he must be forty now? You know. Well, I think some people think we signed him as like a, a, a twenty four twenty five year old. He was like twenty one when we yeah, signed him. Yeah, like and he he was still quite raw at that time. You know, he, he was technically a good player. His finishing never quite lived up to it, did it? But you know. There you go. Yeah, and uh, Gavin Riley uh, had a had another goal for Queen of the oh. South. He's uh, started quite well. Uh, they beat Allen three one in the derby. Yeah, and Max Kilsby playing this one, didn't he? Um, yeah. What surprised me about this one? Because Allen took the lead, didn't they? And the goal was an Effie Ambrose own goal. I was like, he's playing for Queen of the South. That genuinely shocked me when I saw that. It's some, you know, sometimes you see a play and you think to yourself, "Nah, he can't be playing for them, surely." That was a prime example. I was like genuinely gobsmacked that he was playing at that level. But, but mind you, he was at Celtic years ago, wasn't he? So it's kind of, you, you sometimes forget uh, how long it is since a player was at a club. Uh, and that's it, isn't it? I don't think there's any other stuff, Dan. I think I had a little look through before. There no, was nothing else. Nothing, nothing I've noticed anywhere. There you go. So that's it. Um, that's the end of uh, this week's episode. Thanks for joining me once again, Dan. Really appreciate it. Um, thank you once again to everyone for listening. Thank you to our sponsors, the London Branch, for their excellent support this season. If you want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Brunton Bugle for both of those. On Facebook as well, just search for the Brunton Bugle and find our page there. And you can email us Bugle at gmail.com. We've only had one email so far this this season, and that was from a Wigan fan complaining about us not talking properly about their crowds. But um, it's funny that because I was looking through my Facebook memories and something popped up on there. And it was an early season game, clearly. And I, and it basically was me making a comment saying, only 14,000 at Wigan against Chelsea. Ridiculous. So, yeah, maybe we were right in the comment we said. But there you go. Um, yes, uh, upcoming episodes. We'll, we're will we going to try and get back to doing the Sunday reviews, maybe. It, it's just been a bit difficult this summer, isn't it, with people being away and things like that, of trying to fit stuff in. But we'll see what we can fit in this weekend. But there will be a review of Port Vale and obviously a preview of the Shrewsbury game next weekend. Dan, uh, you're not going this weekend, are you? I don't think to the Port Vale no, game. No, can't no, can't do it, no. Uh, Mike and I are going to be at the game, so we, we'll probably be the ones who review this one, I think it's fair to say. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And up the blues. Up the blues. Yeah.